Well, friends, we get another great episode here of Stay Forth Leadership Podcast. As you know, we are always bringing you thought leaders and experts and maybe some people you've never heard of who are going to bring you something practical, something actionable for your life and leadership this week. We want you to live and lead healthy. We want you to live and lead sustainably so you can continue to lead well for the long haul. Guys, today's episode, I don't think it'd be any more practical and applicable. We are talking to Hal Elrod, and he is somebody who has focused literally his whole life on most of the morning. Now, even up to 8 a.m., his claim is that it can literally change your life before 8 a.m., and I practiced many of these principles in his book, The Miracle Morning, and to me, I would say, friends, it has become a competitive advantage for me. I was once a night person. I talk about my limiting beliefs that I would always be a night person. I would get my best thoughts before I went to bed, and frankly, I was lazy. I was lazy at going to bed at the right time, investing in sleep and rest, and the older I've gotten, that has been a key to my success and a lot of my freshness in my field and with my family is getting those early morning hours productive and to make sure that they are proactive. Hal Elrod has led a revolution around mornings. He has a literal thousands, tens of thousands of people in this community, the miracle morning. He's written to real estate agents and entrepreneurs and seniors and has all kinds of different spinoffs because we all have a morning and most people do not make that count. There's people like Robert Kiyosaki, Jesse Cole and Savannah Bananas, international stars, actors, actresses, uh, NFL players, you name it, who have been impacted by this and the Miracle Morning has changed their life. So it was fascinating to talk to him and to get the story behind the Miracle Morning. This is not a guy who was just born optimistic, who's had an easy life and wants you to live pie in the sky as well. Here is a guy who's been through serious pain, but is optimizing his pain for purpose in other people's lives. This was a great discussion and I could not recommend any more. You pick up his book, The Miracle Morning. This is the revival edition that he is for about 20 years picked up insights and pushing them back to you guys love the book love the message loved my conversation with my new friend Hal Elrod enjoy our conversation Hal welcome to the podcast Alan it's a pleasure man it really really is enjoy talking with you for these few minutes and excited to dive in absolutely man we're gonna jump all around here um, from some of the stuff that's like right in your wheelhouse to some of the stuff that may knock you off balance a little bit in the best way. Um, hopefully a good it. challenging conversation for you here. But first of all, congrats. Um, Miracle Morning's been out there. Um, when did you publish your first edition of that? 12-12-12, uh, uh, December 12, 2012. I, I have brain damage, so I picked a date that I wouldn't forget. <laughs> there, there there, you go. Um, and why kind of repackaging it, relaunching it, and uh, giving it that beautiful facelift? Yeah, I've been doing the Miracle Morning for 15 years personally, and the book's been out for 11 years. Um, and uh, we have a global Miracle Morning community with, you know, millions of readers, but hundreds of thousands of people that are engaged. And um, I've learned probably as much from them as they learned from me. And so I guess just the idea is when I started the Miracle Morning, I was really relatively new to meditation, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading and journaling, the six practices of it. And um, I've just relentlessly studied and optimized for the last 
last 15 years. And so it, uh, it's really like, wow, the, the, the first Miracle Morning book was very much an introduction to a morning ritual and the six practices. And this is this takes it, you know, yes, it will introduce you if you're brand new to it, but it really goes a lot deeper uh, in into the practices. And I teach things like emotional optimization meditation, which is something that I've made up by combining kind of the best of the best practices. So there's 70 pages of new content uh, in the new edition, and it's just kind of the next step in the Miracle Morning mission, if you will. Awesome. Love it. So first of all, um, some people are just experiencing you here for the first time. Others have heard you before, read your stuff. Talk about the extremely hard things that you've been through that actually have laid a, a foundation to a lot of the empathy you have for your work. Yeah, uh, thank you for that. Um, I and I, I would say that this is a join the club thing. We've all been through a lot of hard stuff. Um, I had some pretty extreme uh, situations. When I was eight years old, my baby sister died in front of me, so she died in my mother's arms, uh, and that that kind of really set me down a path. I, I watched my parents turn their grief into purpose uh, or their pain into purpose, I guess, as it's often said, where my mother was leading support groups for other parents who had lost their children within like a year. My dad was doing fundraisers for the hospital that attempted to save my sister's life. So I really saw that, oh, you take your tragedy and you turn it into something of service for other people. Um, fast forward 12 years later, when I was uh, actually 19 years old, I was driving home from giving a speech at a conference and my car was hit head-on by a drunk driver at 70 miles per hour. Uh, I was then broadsided in my driver's side door by another car at 70 miles an hour, and it crushed the left side of my body. I broke 11 bones instantaneously. My leg broke in two pieces. My arm broke in two pieces, um, and I was found dead at the scene. Uh, I bled to death. Uh, my heart stopped for approximately six minutes. I was in a coma then for six days, and when I came out of the coma, I was told I would never walk again. So being 20 years old, being told you have permanent brain damage, you broke 11 bones, you're wow. never going to walk again and spend the rest of your life in a wheelchair. Um, and that's really where I had the mindset of like, okay, I can't change what happened to me. I've got to overcome this. And I'm not going to let the doctors determine my fate. I'm going to maintain unwavering faith in God, in my abilities um, to overcome this. And three weeks after I was found dead, the doctors came in with x-rays and they said, we don't know how to explain this but your body is healing so quickly that we're going to let you take your first step today in therapy. So that was a miracle, if you will, from being found dead and then told I would never walk again to three weeks later, I've got a picture to this day that I show in my speeches where I'm taking my first step. And then I thought that was enough. I'm like, all right, been through it all. Um, 2008, uh, I lost uh, over half of my income, lost my house, and that was a very relatable circumstance for a lot of people. Uh, and I, I really got depressed, and I was hopeless. And this little thing I call the miracle morning that I created out of desperation in 2008, it was my morning ritual. It wasn't designed to be shared with anybody, and eventually I shared it with my coaching clients, and it changed their lives, and I went, well, shoot. If it changed my life and I wasn't a morning person, it changed their lives and they weren't morning people. I got to share this with the world. Started writing that book. And then most recently, I should say, um, seven years ago, I was diagnosed with a very rare aggressive form of leukemia, a cancer. Uh, I was given a 20 to 30% chance of surviving. What made that so much more difficult than the car accident is now I had a seven-year-old daughter and a four-year-old son uh, to consider, um, which, you know, that, that was the hardest time in my life. And um, the doctor said, you know, 20 to 30% chance of surviving, but it was kind of like the car accident. I was like, no, I don't listen to doctors. Like, yes, I listen to them. I respect them. But, and this is what I said, and anybody listening right now, 
um, that's ever given a diagnosis or some kind of statistics, I want you to consider this. This is what I told my wife as she was in tears and distraught hearing this diagnosis. I said, sweetheart, look, I know the doctors are saying there's a 20 to 30% chance that, that, that people survive this cancer. I'm telling you right now, in my mind, there's a 100% chance that I will be among the 20 to 30% of those who survive it, because I will do everything in my power, everything that the, the survivors have done, and then some uh, to beat the cancer. And uh, and the doctors were once again pretty blown away. Within a couple of months, I was in remission. Uh, the journey wasn't over. It went on for years of chemotherapy. Um, but but anyway, so so yeah. So those are some of the the high level um, kind of uh, unbelievable circumstances that I've I've been cursed and fortunate, you know, to face, if you will. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you're a living miracle. And then to transition that into mindset work, putting that in the morning, I'm a morning person, just so you know. So, I mean, right here, you're preaching through the choir, I guess, you know, to our, <laughs> to our audience. I talk a lot about mornings and why I think they're so vital, but just straight out of the gates, why are mornings so vital to our whole lives? Yeah. The, how you start your day, Maybe the most important decision you make in terms of what you optimize. And here's why is because how you start your day sets the tone, the context, and the direction for the rest of your day. And if you have a mediocre morning where you're waking up at the last minute and you're resisting having to get out of bed and you're reactive versus proactive, you're setting yourself up for a mediocre day and a mediocre life. Now, I'm not saying this is the only way by any means. Somebody could wake up at the last minute and still create a successful life. In fact, before I was a morning person, I had a pretty successful life, you know, um, but it was that next level. And, and, and here's the way to think about it, or another way to think about it is, Starting your day, what the Miracle Morning enables you to do is just starting your day in a peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state so that you are at your best to show up for those you love, those you lead, and for yourself. Not to mention, the Miracle Morning is designed, it, it's really a personal development ritual so that you can become a better version of who you were when you went to bed the night before. And I believe that this Jim Rohn quote kind of gave birth to the miracle morning. I think it's such a true statement. Your level of success and fulfillment in virtually every area of your life will rarely exceed your level of personal development. So if you want level 10 success, however you define that in your marriage and your health and your spirituality and your finances, your business, the impact you make in the world, the secret is to become the level 10 version of yourself through daily, disciplined, focused, intentional, personal development. So you are capable of creating and sustaining the levels of success that you want in every area of your life. And that's the essence of the Miracle Morning. Absolutely. We got to start right here. And it is so important to think about, I mean, just the ripple effects, right? I mean, why would you be able to give something that you do not have? It's amazing to me how many people want to be inspiring. They want to be keynote speakers. They come to me and say, Alan, I want to be a coach. What does it take? Um, but they are unwilling to work on themselves. So I love the idea of this community. I want to hear a little bit more about that. Um, I'm personally a lark. And so I know the chronotype question comes up here. I love the mornings. That to me is my most creative, deep work space. I understand, though, that there are people that push against that. Other chronotypes, yeah. especially night owls. What do you say to yeah. people that say, oh, I'm not a morning person? 
So I love uh, one of my favorite uh, ways to teach is through story, right? And, and and I think one of the most underrated evidence is anecdotal evidence, right? It's like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that it worked for those three million people, but you know, I don't, you don't. I want to see the data, right? It's like, you know, come on, you know. It's like, um, I'm a big believer that if one human being has overcome or accomplished something, that's evidence of what's possible for the rest of us. Uh, and I'm actually one of my friends. His name is Dr. Michael Bruce. He's known as the Sleep Doctor. We've had this discussion slash debate, if you will, because he's big into chronotypes. He's, you know, he's an expert in that space. Um, but what we both agreed on is you can condition yourself uh, regardless. And, and one of my favorite examples is um, I was interviewed on a podcast by, you know, who Pat Flynn is, the Smart Passive Income podcast? Yeah, of course. So Pat was like one of my, you know, I love Pat. He's a family man. He he lives his values. He's very successful. And I wanted to be on a show for, for a long time. And I reached out and I, I never got a response. And then one day he emailed me and I was so excited. I went on Pat's show and he started the interview by saying essentially how I'm not a morning person. I get my best work done in the evening. Uh, I don't really want to become a morning person because my, what it works for me. And, and this was the, this was the, deal breaker i go i can't i can't fix this he said um i wake up when my little kids come in and shake me awake i'm like oh that's a, that's a, what a beautiful how am i going to tell him no 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 you should wake up before that so you're already up like ah but by the end of the discussion that we had he said how uh i think that I, I'm what you're saying all makes so much sense. How you start your day sets the tone, the context, the direction, putting yourself in a peak state in the morning, not waiting to the last minute to wake up. He said, Oh, that all makes a lot of sense. Um, I think there may be another level of productivity that maybe I can tap into if I give this a try. So I'm going to commit for 30 days. He committed to his audience for 30 days. Um, and now he's a lifelong, you know, miracle morning practitioner. And the other piece of it is I was not a morning person when I started the miracle morning. Um, but I was desperate. I was in debt. We were in the middle of the Great Recession. I had been losing clients and income over, uh, you know, over six months just consistently. Um, my house was being foreclosed on, and I, I, one of my mentors always said this really simple, but really profound gut check, if you will. He said, "If you want your life to be different, you have to be willing to do something different first. And that's why that literally that quote got me to go, oh, man, okay, I'll give it a shot. I'll wake up 30 minutes or 60 minutes earlier. I'll try this, right? What's the harm in giving it a try? And the last thing I want to say is that I have a lot of people will ask, like, how, what percentage of Miracle Morning practitioners were not morning people before they read the book? So this was a huge shift for them. And then what percentage were already morning people? So it was like, oh, cool. Instead of checking you know, social media or, or, um, email in the morning, I'll, I'll do these miracle morning practices. I didn't know the answer, but ever since then we, we survey our global community and it's roughly 72% of miracle morning practitioners around the world say they had never been a morning person before they read the book. And so, which is very encouraging, right? Like that, that was my biggest concern. Yeah, I think incredible. writing the book is like, how am I going to convince people to give up a lifelong limiting belief that says, not a morning person, been there, done that, tried, doesn't work for me, I'm a night owl. Um, and so, yeah, so I mean, it's kind of like a join the club. The majority of Miracle Morning practitioners um, were night owls before they, they, they you know, yeah. they gave it a shot. I'm in the 5 a.m. club now, and I encourage other people too. You know that I'm that I'm coaching. I watched the sun come up this morning. I'm here in Colorado, and I mean it's you know it's beautiful. beautiful. I get this yeah. whole co-working space and event space here um, that I co-founded. I get the 
to myself. And there are people in here the rest of the day. Um, and so I love that kind of that wake up process for me. So I've, I've tweaked it a little bit. And like you say, optimized it, but I would have been a night person. My two limiting beliefs were I've always done it this way and got creative thoughts yep. at night. Um, and honestly, I was lazy. And so I was lazy enough that I would go to bed later and later and later. Of course, you're tired and the morning is not optimized. And so when I totally. switched that, my miracle morning starts the night before by being mm -hmm. so fully prepared that I walk out of bed and I already have momentum. That yes. was the game changer for me because I love momentum. I like working with the grain of who I am, not against it. And I was totally. like, I've been working against the grain of myself my whole life. I'm tired of fighting myself. And so for me, it honestly was just stepping into maturity and kind of shedding those limiting beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. I've said for a long time, a miracle morning begins the night before. You're exactly right. And, and by the way, you mentioned something, two things, actually the new book I, I wrote, there's a chapter called the miracle evening. It's like a 22 page chapter. And it's because I had a lot of people for years ask me, what's your evening ritual? And I was kind of embarrassed because I, I didn't have one. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I don't really have one. And then I just realized like how you kind of what you're saying, how you end the day, maybe as important as how you begin the day and they're definitely correlated right yep. and the other thing that you mentioned is um that uh you know you're one of your limiting beliefs you mentioned that you had creative thoughts in the evening at night i i still have some of my biggest breakthroughs actually come in the evening and i keep a journal next to my bed it's a perforated journal so i can tear the pages out easily if i need to if something's really stands out and i want to set it on top of the journal but I, a lot of times before I go to bed, I just sit there and I clear my mind. I have some creative thoughts as I'm falling asleep. I'll turn the light on, write them down. But then I, I, I don't, I, I know I write them down. That way I don't have to let my mind worry or solve problems or stress as I fall asleep. I can flip the switch, get, you know, let it go. And then I know that in the morning I've got it in writing and I take it in the living room, you know, where I do my miracle morning. And then I will integrate it in my affirmations or I'll put it in my schedule or I'll plan around it or, you know, whatever it is so kind of the best of both worlds if you will having that miracle evening ritual and that miracle morning ritual love it yeah we got a pair of those for sure can you just briefly list savers for us yeah and so for those that don't know the the miracle morning it's into these six practices and the, they're organized in an acronym s-a-v-e-r-s -E the savers uh the first s is for silence that's your meditation and or your prayer time for me it's both uh the a is for affirmations and i teach affirmations quite differently in the Miracle Morning book than most people like the way they've been taught over the years is just tell yourself you want to, you know, if you're, if you're struggling financially, just tell yourself you're wealthy. I am wealthy and just say it over and over again. Right. But the truth will always prevail. So for me, my affirmations have to be practical, actionable results oriented. Um, so that's really important. And I have affirmations following this three-step process um, that for each area of my life, my affirmations around being the dad that my kids deserve and the husband that my wife deserves, so on and so forth. The V is for visualization, just like the world's greatest athletes. They mentally rehearse performing at their best before they step onto the court. And we should do the same before we step into work or engage with our family. Um, the E is for exercise. You know, if you go to the gym in the morning, but doing anywhere from 60 seconds of jumping jacks to a, you know, five minute yoga video, getting the blood flowing in the morning increases your energy all day long. And it improves your mental clarity from start of the day till the end of the day. 
The R in savers is for reading. And of course, we're all one book away from learning something that can transform our business, our finances, our health, our marriage, you name it. Um, and then the final S in savers is for scribing, which is a fancy word for writing or journaling, but but the, the acronym would have been awkward with like a J or a W at the end, you know? Um, but that's where what I do is I, I write down, number one, anything I need to let go of, weighing on my mind, weighing heavy on my heart, what I need to let go of and putting it on paper, getting it out of your head is transformative. Then I ask, what am I grateful for? And I put my hand on my heart and I close my eyes and I really feel that heartfelt gratitude. I just write it down and move on. I don't just check it off. I really allow myself to experience this heartfelt, soulful gratitude. And the third thing I do is I look at my to-do list. It's usually 20 things long. And I say, what's the number one thing that I'm committed to getting done first today that will move the needle in my life or my business more than any other? And once I get that done, I can move to number two and number three and so on. It helps me really prioritize my productivity. So those are the six practices of the Miracle Morning, the savers. Any one of those will change your life, but I'm going to quote my my friend Robert Kiyosaki, who has read the Miracle Morning at least three times last time I talked to him. Um and he said, Hal, you named the book correctly because he said, before I read The Miracle Morning, any successful person on the planet swears by at least one of the savers and attributes their success to that. He said, but I had never met anyone who did all six of the world's most timeless consciousness elevating practices. Uh, and that's what makes The Miracle Morning such a miracle, people, is they're, they're harnessing the best of ancient wisdom all in one ritual all at one time. Yeah, holistically. I mean, heart, soul, mind, body. I've been walking and getting back into walking, which was a COVID practice for me that I just kind of fell nice. away from. Man, it puts me on cadence. It gives me thinking and it is good mm. for my body. And then eventually my mind, my heart and my soul. When I actually look forward to that, we just wanted to walk outside after this. It helped all areas. So simple, holistic, all those pieces of it are are huge. Um, it's interesting too. We created a journal um, called the right side of journal kind of intuitively knowing a lot of these things. And it's, it's, what's my one thing today. And if I go home and I've done that one thing, I check it off. I've made movement in that. Yeah. I love your phrase as well that you said is that movement creates energy. And many times the irony is that it requires a little bit of energy, but it seems to give us energy back. So talk about that as well, how you're kind of trying to put energy back into the grid by doing these six yeah. things. Yeah, I love that you said that. that. That reminds me of a quote that I have never forgotten. It's been a really guiding principle in my life. It's from John Maxwell. And he says that uh, the secret to getting yourself to do the things that you need to do when you don't feel like doing them is to act your way into feeling. Meaning most of us want to feel our way into action. Like, oh, if I had more energy, then I could do it. If I was, I wish I was motivated. No, you, you don't just sit around and wish you had more energy and wish you were motivated. And then all of a sudden become those things. You have to move. You have to like, when I was in sales, I used to be in sales when I was 19 and I would sit there and go, I don't want to make phone calls. I just, I'm just and I would procrastinate. And most people, you know, they don't even, they, they, they quit eventually because they, they don't get themselves to make the calls. But when I heard that from John Maxwell, I realized that if I just pick up the phone without even, without talking myself out of it, I pick up the phone, I open my referral notebook and I just call the first number without thinking about it, without talking myself out of it. I just act. And then all of a sudden, once the phone rings, oh, now I'm perking up. Now the person answers. Now I'm, I'm, I'm infused with energy. And now, hey, how are you? My name's Hal. Can I come over and show, right? And so that goes with everything. If you want to get in shape, 
and you're thinking, oh my God, I got I got I got 20 pounds to lose and I don't have the energy to go to the gym. All you have to do, the secret to getting in shape following what you're talking about, what I'm talking about, is pack a gym bag and set it on your either by the door with your keys on top of it or in your car, whatever it is. But the point is just commit, okay, at 7 a.m., I'm not even going to think about it. When the alarm goes off, I'm going to, I've, I've already got my everything ready in the car. I'm just going to get in the car and drive to the gym. That's it. I'm not even going to think it. You're just acting your way into feeling but guess what happens once you're driving there your energy starts to go up turn some music on roll the windows down then when you get there and you get in the parking lot what are you can do you're gonna walk in the gym then when you walk in the gym and you, you hear the pumping music and the people on the treadmill you're gonna feel energized and excited and you're gonna go work out then you're gonna get that feedback loop of wow I feel I, I did it. I'm proud of myself I feel great and it all started because you packed a gym bag and picked it up at a certain time so that first baby step sets the tone, the context, the direction for what's to come. And so by starting your day with a miracle morning, I always tell people like, you don't have to do the full blown miracle morning. When you're new, just wake up 10 minutes earlier and do one of the savers. And if, if somebody's brand new and they just read the book. So you wake up 10 minutes early, not that hard, go to bed, you know, binge for 10 minutes less on Netflix at night. Right. But you wake up 10 minutes early and you just do the R in savers for reading. And then after a few days, you get to the chapter on silence and your next miracle morning infuse silence with reading. Now you're just doing two. You don't have to make it longer, five minutes each. Then the next day you get to the chapter on affirmations and fold that in. So within about a week or so, You've built up gradually to a full-blown miracle morning, and I'm telling you, it's addicting. You know, I don't have to tell you, Alan, I'm preaching in the choir, but you, but it is addicting because you feel so much better, so much clearer, so much more positive emotional energy is generated when you start your day this way. And, and it would be easy for people to think that you're just born optimistic uh, you're successful, Hal, everything is going right for you. But recently you talked on social media about depression and anxiety and overwhelm, even in the time of, of this book launch. And yeah. that post went viral. I mean, hundreds of comments on that. What did you learn about vulnerability through that risk that you took? So I'll, I'll tell you where I got okay being vulnerable. I used to, like most people, it was like there was, you know, it's our protecting our ego. I don't want to look weak. I don't want to look foolish. I don't want people judging me. Um, and then I heard a quote from uh, Robin Sharma. Uh, he said, uh, when you're vulnerable with people, they fall in love with you. And once I heard that, I went, huh, okay, let me, I wrote it down and it stuck with me. And, and then I remember the first moment I lived it, I was giving a speech and I was a new speaker. I was probably early twenties and I was so nervous and I had scripted the whole thing out and I, and I'm, and I'm reading it and I lost my place and, and I, and I, I didn't know where I was in the speech and I, uh, you know, and, and like my worst nightmare, which is exactly that as a speaker, I didn't know what to do. And it just intuitively, I went, Hey y'all. I have brain damage and I, I struggle with my short-term memory. I don't even remember what I was talking about. Can somebody help me? And the crowd started rallying and, and somebody shouted, you know, you were telling the story about your mom. And I go, yes. Yeah, what, what story was it? And then somebody else goes, it was the one where you were in the hospital and she did it. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I just remember feeling this collective energy. Like we did it. We did it. And everybody, right. And it's like, Hey, he needed help. We helped him. 
and they felt great because they helped me. And that was the moment I went, wow, I am, I am no, like being vulnerable is a superpower because it's, it's, it's an element of humanity that allows us to feel connected to the other person. Right. When somebody's on stage and they're like, Hey, look at me, I'm amazing. And they're articulate and they're right. You might be impressed, but there's not a feeling of like, Oh, I, I get what that's like. But when someone's vulnerable with you, you go, Oh, they're not perfect. They're like me. They're fallible. I feel empathy toward them. I feel connected. That's so good. So you talk about optimizing our mental and emotional health. How do we do that? Mm. Um, I mean, for me, it's the miracle morning. Uh, the, uh, there's another, so there's two new chapters in the new book. One is the miracle evening. It's your strategy for blissful bedtime and better sleep. The other chapter is the miracle life. So these are, these are two new chapters at the end of the book and the miracle life is really speaking to what you're talking about. Uh, it's, it's your, um, path to inner freedom. And here's the way I explain it. We've been conditioned to think that when good things happen, we feel good. When bad things happen, we feel bad. And we feel like we don't have much say in the matter, right? Well, of course I feel this way. D didn't you hear what happened? And what I want to offer is a new paradigm, which is no matter what happens, you actually have the power to choose how you feel. You have the power to go, oh, you know what? Like when I, and, and I learned this, I was very fortunate at a, at a young age, at age 20, when I had my car accident, um, I decided in the hospital when they told me I would never walk again and I was processing that, okay, if I'm in a wheelchair the rest of my life, and first I thought, what can't I do? I can't run. I can't, you know, how am I going to date? I mean, how am I, right? I'm just, you know, I'm 20. I'm thinking, oh my God, this is, this is life changing, not in a good way. Um, and then I went, okay, well, wait a minute. I'm in a wheelchair either way. If that happens, I'm in a wheelchair either way. Um, why not choose to be the happiest, most grateful person anyone's ever seen in a wheelchair? because I'm in a wheelchair either way. So I can't change at that point that I'm in a wheelchair, but why not choose to be happy and grateful instead of miserable and being a victim? And anybody listening right now, I would encourage you to consider that. What's your wheelchair? What is the circumstance in your life, past, present, or even that you're worried about in the future, um, that the thought of it causes you emotional pain it causes you fear or depression or anxiety or feeling like you're not enough, whatever it is. And realize that you are giving the power of to, the power that you have to choose how you experience every moment of your life. You can be at peace with things you can't change, or you can be distraught. Either way, the things are what you can't change. You choose how you experience, how you process them, how you interpret them, how you respond to them, and ultimately how you feel. And so realize that, that, Whatever you're experiencing in your life right now, as difficult as it may be, and my heart goes out to you, like when life sucks, life sucks. But we might as well choose to be the most peaceful, the most grateful, the happiest we can be in the midst of the most difficult circumstances. And that allows us to not only shine a light for ourselves to illuminate the path forward, but to shine our light for other people. So they go, oh, wow, you're going through all that, yet you're, you have a genuine sense of peace. You have a genuine smile on your face. And I'm not claiming, Alan, that it's easy, but to me, it's crucial. Yeah, the, the human spirit is so drawn to that overcomer idea. Because, man, if I were blank, this is how I would be responding. And gosh, that admiration, respect, just bringing the best out of humanity when I see people 
who are doing that and not choosing to be a victim. Man, we could talk forever. We better not. Friends, go buy the first version uh, if you haven't before. But honestly, the second version sounds like it's packed with years and years of learning, stuff you've learned in there from the, the community. First version is good. Second version is gooder amazing <laughs> so much better uh and i'm so glad first of all you've tapped into such a simple and transformational thing that i just say for me has literally changed my life that that mornings done right for me i have stuff to give all day long uh, and so thank you for all of your work hal i want to leave you with one question you've launched this book you've put so much time and energy into it what's your next risk Ooh, my next risk. I love that. Um, actually, the the Miracle Morning for Seniors is the next book on the agenda. Um, we've got, you know, there's a series you can see behind me on the wall if you're watching this. There's, you know, about a dozen or so books in the Miracle Morning series. The Miracle Morning for real estate agents, for entrepreneurs, for parents and families, for college students, you name it. Um, and yeah, the next one is uh, is the Miracle Morning for Seniors, which, you know, it's the largest segment of our population. And I feel like they... Um, they, uh, they're, you know, my, my, my co-author who owns one of the largest senior living facilities, he's the one that reached out to me and said, Hey, seniors really need this. They really need to wake up every day with a sense of purpose and meaning. And, and this can give that to them. So love it. Incredible. Well, best of luck, Hal, keep up the great work and those savers that are continually saving your life and so many other people. Thanks for your work. Thanks for coming here on the podcast and huge congrats on expanding this bad boy of this amazing book. Thank you, Alan. Appreciate it, brother.